Welcome to Guild Wars, a podcast dedicated to unearthing the deep lore of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. I'm Joe Neustel, and between myself and my co-host, we have over 20 years of experience with the Guild Wars franchise, and still manage to know very little about the games. So, without further ado, here he is, Melandru's dirty boy, a real raid boss, Tony Melchor. Tony, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, we had a little bit of an extended pre-show warm-up today. It was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. We got to chat a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good, feeling ready. Me too. I'm excited. I'm excited, the Silvari. So, yeah, I have a question for you, man. Mm-hmm. How do you, mm-hmm. as an MMO player, yep. Guild Wars player, how do you feel that, and I guess gaming as a whole, how has that impacted your life? In terms of growth, how have video games helped you grow as a person? Huh? Oh, shit. That's a, really, that's a good question. Um, in a way, being more mindful. And at least um, fairly recent within like the past year and a half, like doing raids and leading raids, like micromanaging people has been, uh, or like managing people has been. Wow. Micro over. You really are a raid boss. <laughs> Just managing people, that's been pretty interesting because now it gives you a way to like a different perspective, I guess, communicating with people and like diffusing situations um, and stuff like that. Yeah. Huh. I haven't really thought about it. It's a good it question. Sounds like, it sounds like Guild Wars or, or gaming in general, I guess, has um, given you a, a practice developing your interpersonal skills yeah definitely not even just with like raiding and stuff but just meeting people you are a guild leader for several guilds now right uh just the one ours ours and poe so two i guess so that does give you a little bit of experience in the um in the personal uh interpersonal realm i guess so yeah well growth is the theme today as we reach up and pluck the fruit from the pale tree and taste that sweet, juicy lore of the Silvari. So, Tony, <laughs> I ask you now, are you ready to get your balls rolling? I'm, get- <laughs> I'm ready to get my balls rolling, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, we'll start with a quote from the game. This is the snippet. This is the little taster of lore that they give you when you're creating... Uh, a character this is the when you're in character select it will read Silvari are not born they awaken beneath the pale tree with knowledge gleaned in their pre-life dream these noble noble beings travel seeking adventure and pursuing quests they struggle to balance curiosity with duty eagerness with chivalry and warfare with honor magic and mystery entwined to shape the future of this race that has so recently appeared. Damn. I thought that was a very good place to start off. It gives you a really concise picture of what we're working with here. Who they are. So I guess first we can break down that pre-life dream. It's a, it's, it's a huge part for understanding the Silvari and what they are. Uh, and it has quite a bit of space in the narrative for Guild Wars 2 going forward. That being said, 
some of the content in the show will be spoilers for Guild Wars 2, mm. and more particularly Heart of Thorns. I don't know if it's going to be super heavy, but just be warned, there might be a, a spoiler here and there. Prepare. The cabbage spoilers. <laughs> so the dream, mm-hmm. if you can believe it, is often referred to as just that. <laughs> the dream. The dream? Yeah, the dream. The dream. Or the dream of dreams, which is a little dramatic. Huh. Had a dream about the dream. I had a dream of dreams once. <laughs> it was amazing. Thank God, that's some like Inception stuff. <laughs> Jeez. So this dream, it's a collective of memories and experiences cobbled together by magic. Okay. An unawakened Silvari navigates this dream and gets to experience what those who came before have experienced, lending them some sort of magical, genetic, or perhaps more accurately, communal memory. And if you try to think about this too hard, it sort of falls apart, but like it's a magical world, and it's a magical thing that happens to this race and makes them special. They're all connected. Uh, there's a dark portion of the dream. Oh. And it's where <laughs> it's where bad thoughts. <laughs> it's the it's the dream for bad thoughts, and this is known as the nightmare, uh, which has its own cult following in the world of Tyria, known as the Nightmare Court, mm. which is a very fey thing to have. Yeah. Just tacking that on. That's pretty cool. Um, I think it's pretty clever to throw that in there because these are the foil to elves in a traditional MMO. Hmm. They have a lot of characteristics that go hand in hand, but it has like such a good, unique coat over the top of it. And things are just moved around a little bit in a way that feels really satisfying, I think. Um, but I think that's a really good choice of words, giving them the title Nightmare Court. Sounds cool. Sounds really cool. When they awake from the dream, what happens? Uh, I don't know. They, they go to Taco Bell? Yeah, I mean... When our little fruit babies are ripe and ready to pick, they just sort of uh, uh, emerge from a pod. They just wake up? Yeah, they just emerge. Okay. Cool. Weird. Yeah, they're pod people. Interesting. It's like a really important thing in Silvari society. I mean, just sort of similarly, similarly to how, you know, birth is for humans. It's like a... It's important. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So there they are, just ready to go, fully formed adults, kind of, and they're probably struggling with severe emotional trauma from all the lives of every sil- other Silvari. Oh my god, just imagine, oh man, yeah, yeah. That's a lot, that's a lot to take in. It's your ancestors, or, yeah, yeah. If you had, not even just your ancestors, just your entire race, if the Everyone, entirety yeah. of humanity had imprinted itself upon you in a pre-life dream holy crap that's That's a baggage (laughs) some red flags right there in fact some silvari do experience too much upon awakening and these often drop into like a meditative state where they quiet the dream and they become sort of like a monk figure known as the soundless whoa and when they emerge, they don't really have a concept of family like we do. Um, they're grown in cycles, and each cycle tends to share some common loyalty to their specific cycle. Okay. They do have a parent figure, however, uh, and when in need of guidance and things like that, they turn to the wisdom of the pale tree. Mm. We'll talk a little bit 
more on the pale tree down here in just a minute. But one other thing about Solvari Awakenings, uh, a special group of Solvari are assigned a wild hunt with a with a Y W Y L D. A wild hunt. Wild or dark hunt, depending on their affiliation with the dream or nightmare. Oh, okay. And it's not really a good thing. It's kind of a burden placed upon. Um, it it's kind of like a it's kind of a good thing. They only give it to people who are strong, brave, is it intelligent? A test, sort of. So it's a it's a quest. They get an urge to investigate something or do something, slay a monster, whatever it may be, and they get this itch that they can't scratch until they've fulfilled their wild hunt. So like an inner calling almost. Exactly. Oh, okay. Nailed it. Okay, that's really interesting. It is with a very special wild hunt that the events of the Solvari story in Guild Wars 2 begin. But it isn't where the Solvari begin. The Solvari are a very young race. This, is, this was amazing to me because I never really even like thought about it too much. Like They weren't around in Guild Wars 1, and I didn't really think about the um, just general age of their society as a whole when i started playing guild wars 2 yeah yeah it's just kind of they're just there yeah they just kind of popped up and yeah. i was like okay they're here now yep. they're, they're tree of people. course i must have just missed something or <laughs> they are a very young race and the first cycle also known as the firstborn emerged a mere 25 years before the start of guild wars 2 okay that means that we're both older than the oldest of the silvari <laughs> just barely for you right i think so I don't know how old you are. No, no, definitely, definitely. Tony's growing up. Um, and compared to the humans who have inhabited Tyria for roughly fifteen hundred years, their society is totally in that infantile stage, just testing the water. Okay. Tyria is a big world, and I had a thought when I was thinking about that. If they're only twenty-five years old, would I wonder if they're going to make a remark in End of Dragons that? No Silvari has ever seen Cantha. I guess that's true. Maybe they know of it somehow. Maybe that I am very interested to um, see a Silvari interact with Echovald Forest. Oh, I think there are interesting things to there are interesting things there. Let's see if they come true. <laughs> but yes, the Silvari are new to Tyria, but their roots and the roots of the Pale Tree run quite a bit deeper than you might imagine. I'm going to tell you a story of old, Tony. Mm-hmm. The humans and the centaurs, they've been at war for nearly as long as the humans have been on the continent of Tyria. Okay. An elder centaur named Ventari, oh. he fought many humans in his youth. He was a, I guess their equivalent of a commander. But after a lifetime of killing, he put his weapons up and adopted a lifestyle of peace. He grew sickened by all the violence, I, thought it was pointless. I remember, I remember running through Maguma. That's right. So it, he found Jesus. So he set up this nice peaceful refuge, and he made it his home, but it was disturbed by the eruption of the Crichton Civil War, fought between the White Mantle and the Shining Blade. As the violence began to spread across the Maguma, Ventari fled south to the tarnished coast. It's here he met Ronin. Ronin, he was a member of the Shining Blade. 
and he had a little downtime and he found a cave. It was guarded by monsters, but he fought his way in. And in the cave there were seeds, so he pocketed one. Oh, shit. When he returned home sometime later, he found that his hometown was burned to ashes by the Mursat. Oh, damn. Okay. And it was in this place he planted the seed. Oh. Ventari fleeing war and Ronin, a newly... Um, Orphan, sort of? Orphan, yeah, and he quit. He quit the Shining Blade. I don't know if he deserted or if they let him go scot-free after his family got burned, you know? He probably just lost everything. It's a lot of baggage. Yeah. But he, they meet, and they tend this tree that sprouts from the seed. Uh, and you can visit, they make it a sanctuary where everything has the right to live. Okay. They keep everybody safe around this area. And you can visit, yeah, you can visit that in Guild Wars Eye of the North. It's known as Ventari's Sanctuary. Ventari works the rest of his life making sure that any who come to his sanctuary um, are taken care of, more or less. And he writes a memoir, and he chisels his philosophy into stone, and he places the stone tablet Um... at the base of the pale tree before he dies in 1180 AE. Then, if we flash forward 120 years... The 14 firstborn Silvari emerge from their pods. And what do they find at the base of the tree? The tablet. The tablet. Oh, okay. It becomes the guiding force for all of Silvari society. That's pretty cool. Um, A lot of his teachings, the things that are actually carved into the tablet, you may have heard. I didn't write any of them down, but all things have a right to grow. Um, more violence, I say, less violence. Er, more violence, I say, less violence. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can outrun a centaur. I can outrun a centaur. Um, Buka. Another one that's actually true is where the wind blows, so too must I. Oh, ooh. Um, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's good. The first, the very first Silvari ever to emerge from their juicy fruit pod (laughs) was Traherne. And it's super understated in the story, as he plays a huge role in the main story as a somewhat mentor and leader to the player character, and as one of the, like, vanguard against, uh, in the assault on Zaitan, the Draco Lich. Another notable firstborn is Ryanok, who was one of who who was the first Silvari to die. Ryanok? Ryanok. Okay. And Ryanok basically got a wild hunt to go do some crazy shit and fight a lich and died. Oh shit. Yeah. They tried to talk him out of it, but the itch was too strong. And then Dude, that's crazy. The Silvari had an existential crisis. The first one to die. I mean, yeah. He, and another fun fact is he was the original wielder of Kaladbolg, which is the sword that Traherne uses against the dragons and later becomes a sword, a legendary weapon that you can restore in the game. Okay. I think it's a legendary. I have no idea. Neither do I. 
I have some idea, but it may be the wrong idea. Interesting. So Traherne takes that sword. But another fun fact is that the lich that Ryanok dies fighting mm-hmm. is in fact the first was a prince of Or, the founder of Krita, and the son of King Doric himself, raised from the dead by the Draco Lich Zaitan, and killing the first Solvari. What? Damn. Who knew? Dude, that's gnarly. It is. What the heck? Four others of the firstborn uh, go on to lead the civilization, sort of. Um, and they, they, they don the title Luminaries. Luminaries. One, Malamedes was the first to contact the Asura, who put him under intense scientific experimentation uh, before realizing that he wasn't just a plant. Oh, oh, wow. I mean, in their defense, they didn't really know he was sentient. Sure, new race, like, okay. But the Asurans aren't necessarily too careful or caring. Uh, Doesn't look good, though. Damn. But now we're going to talk about two very important firstborns that we get to know very well. Kaith and Fowlin. Kaith and Fowlin, okay. They're the first Silvari to adventure across Tyria. They spend their time fighting things, studying, and just sort of learning about the world. And they develop a romance, which, shout out to ArenaNet, it's good representation of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the last in their story either, and I'm really glad that they don't really like make a big deal about it and make it the focal point, like look at what we're doing we're being inclusive and they also don't just like leave it out entirely they just keep it like downbeat and keep it kind of real and it just feels like a good inclusion that's like what we need just like a like yeah normal representation of it's normal yeah it's normal it's and they do a really good job about that they travel together to or and or with a lot of magic going on from the gods, the explosion of ore that blew it into the sea, a Draco Lich. There's just a lot of magic. A lot going on in ore. They glimpse something there. The nightmare. Oh. <laughs> Kaith is oh. like, oh, he yuck, get that away from me. <laughs> and you, the nightmare. No, not the nightmare. Gross. Fallon. Is like, yo, pass that shit over here. Oh, Let's spark up some more of that she, nightmare. She wanted some cookies at the nightmare we're handing out. Okay, so she's super into it, and it starts to like cause a little bit of a problem between them. A little tension. And they return home to the pale tree, where the second-born Silvari are getting pretty ripe, but things aren't all good in the neighborhood because Fallon saw the nightmare. And according to the laws of their weird little communal memory pool, she transfers a bit of that infatuation with the nightmare to some of the second born. Oh. Yeah, she's tainting the dream Shoot, pool. There's a virus in the system now. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Okay. The nightmare virus. The nightmare virus. Oh, no. Okay. She's pissing in the porridge. So <laughs> this next person we're going to talk about is very 
I feel very bad for them. Oh. Uh. So, yeah. So the first of the secondborn feels like really hot shit. Their name is Catern. Catern. And they're the first of the secondborns. Like, they're here. They're, they're first. But all of the firstborns, in an honestly kind of fucked up move, sit him down and are like, listen, kid, you might be the first of the secondborn, but don't ever forget that we were first. Oh, shit. They say, you're just another Silvari. There are many of you secondborns. We are the firstborn, and you are all Silvari. Oh, damn. Uh And I read so many stories and they never let him forget it. They are always busting his balls, telling him that he was not first at anything. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. You're not special, kid. You never were. You never will be. And it's so brutal to watch. He's <laughs> oh, always no. like, but I'm the first at this. And they're like, nah, dude. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, no, dude. <laughs> it's so sad. What dicks? Just make him feel included. Be like, well, we got a job. Do something. (laughs) Do something nice for the guy. He just woke up. He just woke up. And he got a taste of nightmare. Like, give him a break. (laughs) Poor guy. Help this guy figure shit out. So, he goes out to kill some crate with the luminaire of his cycle. Uh, They finish killing the big bad crates, and they find a bunch of babies. Mm, Baby crates. He is like, let's just do it. Let's just do this the easy way. They're going to get big, and it's going to be harder to kill them. Let's just do it now. One fell swoop. We'll have to deal with them later. Mm -hmm. Yes, and his mentor quotes Ventari's tablet. and says, all things have a right to grow. Oh, nice. And slowly, they start to find out that they can resist the teachings of Ventari's tablet. Okay, okay. So he asked the pale tree why he had to follow the tablet. Uh, The tree gives a bunch of reasons why being good is cool. (laughs) (laughs) And he has a serious breakdown. Uh, He vows to free the grove from the influence of the dream and Rontari, which is their little couple name, Ronan and Bentari. Rontari. Rontari. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's their little like sitcom couple. Rontari. Rontari. I'm voting for them, dude. I'm rooting. And basically, him wanting to free the Grove from the influence of the Dream and Rontari is pretty much the ideology that uh, supports the Nightmare Court. The Nightmare Courtiers believe that the Dream is real, like they think it's a real thing, but the version uh, that is given by the Pale Tree is a corrupted version that enslaves the Silvari. Oh, okay. They work... Um, vigorously to um, against it yeah against it not Mm -hmm. to accept it and give into it Uh, some even think that their cause is noble and that they're trying to liberate the inhabitants of the grove I guess that's one way to look at it Um, but like at the same time they do all of the opposite of Ventari's teachings and like torture people and kill people for fun and they just like do really bad shit okay so like I get it. You're like, I don't want to like listen to exactly the rules, like, but you don't have to go out and be a total fuck about it yeah. either. Yeah. Come on, Nightmare Court. Yeah. And they go out and torture people. Come on, Catern, or whatever, the, whatever the hell your name is. Catern. 
but yeah, basically to round out cardamom or whatever um, their name is, uh, basically after this confrontation with the pale tree, <laughs> Kaith comes out of the shadows. Kaith is a uh, is a thief in the game. She's sneaking around skulking and eavesdropping. She comes out of the shadows, puts a gentle hand on his weeping on his shoulder while he weeps, and just fucking dunks on him again for not being a firstborn. Oh, dear God. She just tells him, like, tough shit. You're not one of us, and you're never going to be one of us. Oh, my God. No, it's so fucked up. What the hell, dude? And he storms out with a super good monologue, man. Yo, any actions he does now, I totally understand. I'd be pissed, too. Dude, it was so fucked up. I couldn't believe my eyes when I was reading it. Oh my god, dude! He, he got thrown. To the, he got kicked to the ground. He got kicked some more, and then he got kicked some more again. For years, they just keep reminding him that he's not a firstborn. It's like get over it. Oh my god! Just give the guy a fucking job. Damn, dude, give him a break. Yeah, dude, fucking give him some of that that good herb they grow in the grove. <laughs> Chill this guy out because he's obviously. Emotional. He's 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 struggling with something, and it's something very dark. Help cardamom. Help cardamom. <laughs> Help cinnamon. Help cinnamon. <laughs> so here is a quote that he leaves on. He's in the chamber of the pale tree. Kate just dunked on him again. This is a quote from Dream and Nightmare, which is a story written by former ArenaNet lore and continuity designer Reese Osby. And the quote is, I will make you hear me, mother, like it or not. When I'm finished and you are free at last, then I will be first in your heart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. End, oh my uh, end God, quote. Dude. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. Poor guy. Jeez. He'll never be good enough. He is just going through it right now. This guy needs therapy. Yeah, like, honestly. Some hardcore therapy. And they just keep shitting on him. Like three times a week or something. Fuck. And like, it doesn't get any better for him. There's much more to this tale. So much more unfolds between the Nightmare Court and the Pale Tree. Um, there's more to learn about the Silvari and their relationship to the world of Tyria. But I think rather than us talking about it here... You should all experience it for yourself in Guild Wars 2, because that brings us up to the storyline mm. that you, yourself, can play in Guild Wars 2. I just played through the story while I was writing the show, and I have to say that it's probably my second favorite. It's a pretty close tie between the Silvari and the Char. Okay. Char personal story is phenomenal, and uh, Silvari is pretty good too. Another interesting thing I wanted to bring up about, like, the Silvari as a whole. Mm -hmm. the, cab the Cabbage Patch Kids, yes. The Cabbage Patch Kids. The Cabbage Patch Children. <laughs> the design for the Silvari. Uh, more, coming up with it seemed a little bit more complex than one might think. Oh, um, I don't doubt it. Former character art lead Kristen Perry balanced a spectrum of ideas from humans with kind of, like, leaf... Um, accents to them sure uh, to dryads to like the fully like plant-esque ent 
and folded all of those ideas together into like a humanoid being with actual anatomical parts that wasn't just the base model of a human with a little bit of extra. Yeah, melded it. And if you really look close, like the dissimilarities between humans and Silvari are pretty cool. Like you can still see like the clavicles underneath and like hands, but the fingers are like the hands are just structured a bit differently. Mm-hmm. And thinking about that, that would be very hard to do without just sort of ripping off the generic human. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They're made pretty. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that this lore, though, is like some of the tightest in the game. Uh, I don't know how you feel like from from your seat. I I like it. Um, Gives you like a starting point. So you know where they come from for sure. You know for sure where they come from, where they start. Um, I'm excited to see where they go. I think that had a lot to do with it. Like they kind of had the control from the beginning to kind of guide them into like the areas that they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Whereas like all of the old races, it's like they come from the old times. Yeah. You know, something new, something fresh, something green. (laughs) Like between the nightmare, um, the dream, and Mordramoth all existing sort of in that same space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that lore is really good. I think like the cycles, they're born, like de- their cycles depend on when they're born. And they can be like dusk, morning, you know, eve- um, night and noon, afternoon. And that's sort of like a cool play on like the fey court system as well like the autumn uh winter spring and summer courts oh okay okay but it's just like a little different sure unique yes i think it's very good and it all works together really well two thumbs up internet two thumbs up rontari rontari you did good (laughs) you did good so yeah i love the silvari now i didn't i didn't know any of this I, i didn't know that trahern was the first one i didn't know that Cardamom was... Whatever spice that was. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, was the f- second first one. But like... But like, he was not firstborn. Like they say, if you're not first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> and if you are first of the second, you might as well be dog shit because everybody hates you. <laughs> yeah, for Apparently, real. This poor fucking guy, dude. The Nightmare Court could have never happened. If they were just like... If they were just nice. Yeah. If they just followed the damn tablets. If they were like, come here, child. Let me guide you. Welcome to the world. We are the first here. Let me show you. Instead of like, yo, dude. We were here first. You suck. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. So, do you have any other final thoughts on the Silvari? Or any, I guess this wraps up our series on the playable character, playable races. Do you have any overarching things you'd like to say, Tony? No, not currently. Other than I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This is really cool. It's It feels very rich. Not that the others aren't, but it feels very rich. I think the Char have a pretty good story. Because they were prevalent in the first game. Sure. But yeah, yeah. Not the focus, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And the humans 
cate- like are just like categorically bloated in dates and times and all of this shit. The Norn and Asura are both good but flat. They're serviceable. Or they're like good but yeah, they're not very deep. It's not a lot. But it's serviceable. And the Silvari is just like somebody did a great job. Mm-hmm. God. The Sarah and Norn, they're a bit more simple in terms of who they are. I guess. Very archetypal. Mm-hmm. And the Silvari are about growing and figuring out who they are in the world. Yeah. So that lends them a little bit more flexibility. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> the plants grow. The plants grow. If you can believe it. And you too can grow as a player. If you're new to the game, Tony has a segment that we like to call Uh, our new player advice corner. Tony, Mm -hmm. what do we have for the noobs? All right. For this time around. A a newbie snack. A a newbie (laughs) snack. Here you go. Here you go. A newbie snack. Um, If you guys haven't heard of Guild Wars 2 Taco... It is a huge asset to finding and navigating the world of Tyria. There's a base taco, Guild Wars 2 taco. Look it up. You can download the base. The base is all right. But there's an add-on that you do, and you can... It's called Tekkit's Guide. So it's an add-on that adds more layering to taco. Taco just... There's so much. There's so much that'll help you with. It's like... It's an in-game visual. It's an overlay, essentially, where it shows you... um, Matt... mastery points sort of collections that it doesn't have every collection but it has a good amount of of them it just kind of guides you through the world you can there's a little tab you can click and unclick stuff so you can get real specific like if you just want to you just want to do map completion it'll show you sort of the fastest route um that it has it's pretty good i like it i've used it um this past year uh to make my flame seeker prophecies i hate map completion but it helped a lot. It's super easy to install. You can YouTube it. I think it's like a two-minute YouTube video. It's not not too complicated. The UI might get a little finicky and weird to navigate through, but you'll get it. You'll get it pretty quick. Definitely worth checking out if you're finding map completion tedious. Um, it'll just show you a path that you can follow, and then it will just lead you from one thing to the next in the most efficient line. Or like jumping puzzles. Ah, yes, yes. All sorts of things. And it can totally shit on your like visual at first when it boots up. Mm -hmm. um, If you have too many things checked, it can like make a real mess on your screen showing you all of the things at the same time. Um, It is manageable. Um, Just a warning for that. But it's super worth checking out Mm -hmm. if... You're trying to get things done efficiently. It is a huge boon for efficiency. It will be overwhelming at first, but fear not. Fear not this night. Fear not this night. Um, I just remembered. So the base taco is just for like central Tyria, where Tekkit's Guide adds on all the new stuff. Um, actually, I don't know if the base one has Heart of Thorns, but definitely with Tekkit's Guide, it adds the Path of Fire stuff, and it's always continually, continuously updated. So there's... Um, up to the ice brood saga stuff basically so that's that's cool yeah get it get it if you need it as somebody who did map completion before taco and after taco um it makes it faster i couldn't even imagine without it 
Yeah, you people would tell you, you know, you have to zigzag across the map to do it the most efficiently. <laughs> or some people would go with like the toilet bowl method. Oh, um, I do. I definitely do. Outside and work your way in in a swirling pattern. Oh, yeah. And that's I didn't me. know if I should do northern or southern hemisphere toilet bowl. <laughs> and then, you know, I just I couldn't even start because I was just so nervous about how I was going to do it. Mm hmm. I didn't know how to fly. <laughs> on, a, on a random tip for math completion, I personally would leave or last because they don't do, oh crap, what was it? Events. No. Renown hearts? Heart, hearts. Hearts. That's what it was. They don't yes. do hearts. So it's a good straight shot almost. But that's it for the new player advice. I always start there, but I eat my dessert before my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, great. You can get in touch with us. Check us out on Twitter, at Lore's Guild. Get uh, an update. We'll post on there when we're putting out a new episode, maybe some bonus episodes or something. You can check us out on Instagram, at Guild Lore's Podcast. Email us at guildlorespodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> D&D fans out there can check out my content on the Foran Fables Instagram. Do I think it. I'm going to be running a uh, community game. So if you'd like to play some D&D uh, ran by yours truly, you can get in there and let's talk. Mm-hmm. Um, in-game, you can reach Tony at cartoonlink.618 or myself at trogdormama.4903. We do have a guild and community. Our guild's name is Tony... We don't know our lore. All right. I'd like to thank you all for listening to our series on the playable races of Guild Wars 2. What's next, Tony? Before we finish, don't forget to plug in your uh, stream. Oh, yeah. Um, if you check out um, Foren, um, I am streaming on Twitch, making maps, building worlds, having fun, kicking back and relaxing. Uh, it's really mesmerizing to watch. Yeah, if you guys want to get in there and watch me get frustrated um, making digital maps for Roll20 and listen to me make this noise a lot. Hmm. <laughs> uses Incarnate. Yeah, and they just released a whole bunch of new fancy stuff. Um, so yeah, let's. you can check me out there. But now let's turn the focus on you listeners and Tony. And me. Thank you for um, joining me for our series on the playable races of Guild Wars 2. It's been a lot of nonsense and fantasy alphabet soup. Lots of balls. And we got the balls out. We got our balls out. We got our balls out one. and rolling. Oh, man. But, yeah, what is next, Tony? I, I don't know. It's a secret. I don't know. It's a secret. I have no idea. Playful secrets. Ooh, I guess you'll just have to tune in. That's right. Mm. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you in Tyria. Goodbye. Goodbye.